Welcome to Goat Homeschooling with Erin and Amanda. This is Amanda. Erin has a field trip today, so she's out and about, but we've got a guest on today. And uh, so you get me and Lena. Uh, Lena is a COVID homeschooler, started homeschooling during COVID. It'll be interesting to hear her take on how things are going, where things will go, how she can get some encouragement from us, and how she can encourage others in this long-term homeschooling adventure. Welcome to Goat Homeschooling with Erin and Amanda. I'm Erin. And I'm Amanda. This is the podcast to encourage moms that have been at this homeschooling gig longer than five years and plan on sticking with it through the high school years. The long haulers, as we like to say. We want to help you have the greatest of all time homeschool that meets the needs of your family by encouraging you with real conversations on the issues that pop up as you've been in this homeschool lifestyle for years. So it'll be fun to try and see if there's people out there that need the encouragement and if there's anything that we can do to help others as they get started on their journey. That'd be awesome. That's what we're here for. So Lena, welcome. Hi, I'm happy to be here. All right. Just gave you a little intro there. We obviously you're a COVID homeschooler, but aside from COVID or maybe in addition to COVID, what got you started? Well, we have four children and we kind of got the homeschooling idea in 2019, actually, because one of my children is medically fragile and he had ended up missing so much school that his kindergarten teacher at the time recommended we start looking into the hospital homebound program. We had started down that path and then COVID happened because of his medical condition his doctors have told us that he cannot go back to school. And because he's sensitive to any kind of illness, his siblings also should not go back to school at this point, just because we don't really know what's going to happen, how effective these vaccines are going to be long-term. And plus, you know, for him, there's so many other illnesses out there that could really just sideline him. In the first semester of his kindergarten year, he missed about 60 days of school because of illnesses. That's a lot for any child. And for somebody his age, who's kind of just starting out in the school system, trying to navigate that with him and his teacher and figure out how much is too much, then to try and get him on grade level where he should be with the rest of his peers, it just started to appear really, really daunting to me and to his teacher and to the administration of his school. I mean, honestly, to him, he was so behind in some areas based on the school system requirements that he was looking at extra tutoring, reading programs, just a lot of extra things that we didn't really want to do at that point because we were unsure of how his medical condition was going to unfold. Right. Well, so, and, and public schools are just a big petri dish anyway, you know, so it's not just a COVID is an issue, it's all the things, right? Yes, that is exactly correct. And for him, just a simple cold typically lands him in the hospital. The most recent one that he had was in December of last year, and he actually ended up having to go to the emergency room, having two rounds of steroids three rounds of antibiotics, plus, you know, breathing treatments for him every four hours. And he was sick for a total of about four weeks. And 
if you could imagine somebody like that in the public school system where, like you said, it's really just a petri dish, dish of germs. There's so many things out there. So his doctor and, and his specialist have said, you know, let's just for right now err on the side of caution and just keep everybody home for as much as you can. So we've been doing that, which led us into our homeschooling journey. Right on. So is this something that has the potential of him growing out of it? Or is it something that he's going to have to deal with on a consistent basis for forever and ever? We are not sure at this point. We know that he has very sensitive lungs and a very, very overactive immune system. So far, there doesn't really seem to be a genetic or significant cause to it. It just seems to be like, this is who he is. So we're hopeful that he may at some point at least become less sensitive to the environment. But in the event that he doesn't, we probably will just homeschool him for the long term, which is fine with us. We have had such an amazing time so far. We never want to send any of them back. The only one who's expressed any desire to go back is our oldest, and he's 13, because he really was missing the social aspects of being in a public school environment. Yeah. And there's so many ways to kind of replace that in the homeschool. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that homeschoolers do that public schoolers do too. Like they can have prom and they can have homeschool or home. What is it? Homecoming. Um, They can have, you know, field trips and study classes and things like that. But in your situation, it's even different for those things because of the medical fragility Um, of your youngest. So that might be something that you just have to take year by year and pray that he continues to improve and eventually grow out of it. But even if he does grow out of it, you can still continue homeschooling, wink, wink, right? Because that's something that you have loved it and you have really, your kids have really flourished with it. And, And maybe your 13 year old over time will grow to appreciate that. And I mean, this is your first year, right? So like first full year, So, you know, that takes time to kind of get acclimated to and get used to it. And he can't go topless at the public school. He has to actually wear a shirt, you know, (laughs) not to say he goes topless all the time at home, but I know a lot of kids do where they, you know, just want to hang out in their pajamas or in their undies and get their schoolwork done. And, you know, so there's, there's things that you can't do when you're going to public school that you can do when you're at home. So my next question for you is, what does your schedule look like? I know that your husband actually does the majority, is it fair to say the majority of the schooling with the kids or is it more 50-50? Like give me the ratio of how much teaching he does versus how much teaching you do. Oh, I would say that it's probably 50-50. I work full-time and I actually work from home and I have even before COVID. And with my job, it affords me the schedule where I work four days a week and I'm off for three. But my husband has been a stay-at-home dad for going on eight years now. So he has really taken the lead in most subjects with them, specifically you know, with our older 13-year-old because he's middle school. But on a day-to-day basis, we split it up and we do like a different subject per day. We don't do every subject every day. Just That just doesn't work for us. Um, usually Mondays um, and Fridays, we kind of have a heavy focus on reading and writing because those are a little bit, a little bit of something that the kids can kind of be self-directed with. Our younger ones, you know, we sit and read with them or we'll pair them up with one of the older kids to help with that. 
So it's just a lot of reading and writing on those days. Tuesdays and Thursdays is focus usually on math. And some of my kids are advanced in math. So it's great to be able to work with them on an individual level to keep them up to where they are, not necessarily where their grade level is. And then Wednesdays, we found that it's what works best for us on that day because it's one of my days off is in the mornings, I will do a history or social studies lesson with my three younger ones. And then our oldest does his history by himself. And in the afternoons, we usually go to the park because I decided to be very bold and start a homeschooling group on my very first year homeschooling. Get in there. <laughs> Get elbow deep. And <laughs> yeah, you know, if I'm going, I'm going to go all the way. <laughs> Thursdays, we kind of have that as like a free day for the kids where we'll sit with them and work with them on something that they're struggling with. Or, you know, if for whatever reason we had missed a day doing something, we kind of use it as a catch up day. And if there's nothing that anybody needs to catch up on, we will just hang out around the house, work on different projects, maybe do our own little field trip. If we're working on a specific science lesson, um, often will get us out of the house. The past couple of weeks, we've been working on wave science and material science. So different things that cause waves and how they, those function in the real world. And then building materials in that a stick works better to make a house than, you know, a leaf because it's stronger, it's more rigid. And so the best place that we found to really explore those things in the real world is the beach. So we've spent the past two Thursdays at the beach learning about different things that happen with waves and building materials and why certain things do what they do. And so those so. science lessons are the same science lessons for all of your kids. You're just approaching them a little bit differently for each child to go more applicable to their ages and grades, right? Yes, that's exactly okay. correct. It, we found that kind of keeping them on the same subject matter for a few things kind of works better for us. So that way we're not teaching four kids, four different things every single day. We can team them up and that way they get, they, it feels like they get a better overview of what's happening with that subject because we have the older one who has a deeper understanding just because they've spent more time learning it. And then the little one, of course, we kind of keep it very, very simple. She's kindergarten and she's actually learned a whole lot more than we anticipated just from being in the same room as her brothers while we're talking about a certain subject. Didn't I tell you that that's what was going to happen? Didn't I feel like I've said that before. I don't know. Maybe it wasn't I feel like you. I've heard that. <laughs> you know, I feel, I feel like I've definitely heard that. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Um, as it turns out, you were right. Um, <laughs> oh my goodness. So... Really? I, no one has ever said that to me before. I, you know, it's so rare that I'm right. I'm just going to have to bask in it for a few minutes. Really enjoy that. Well, that's great. I just love hearing it like, and hearing your schedule and how your schedule works for you. I have only homeschooled two kids and they're five years apart in age. So there's been, there's been very limited things that we've been able to do together because they're so far apart 
emotionally, psychologically, and you know, with their maturity and ages and so forth, and their interest levels have been different. So I'm loving hearing the things that you can do together and doing the different subject on different days and how that works. And it sounds like that could be something that works really, really well, even long term as the kids begin growing up. And even as your 13 year old changes over into high school in the next year or two, and it could even stay on that, that course. I mean, a lot of times high school homeschoolers do a lot of their work on their own for your family. That might even work even better. And especially if their interests stay similar and all of those things just sound really, really good. Like I'm, I'm totally digging how your schedule is shaped out for you guys. And I think that that is setting yourselves up for success for the long term. And you know, if it's not working, people should change it. But this being your first year and already finding your groove, because you know, the first year of anything is the hardest. The first year of a baby's life, the first year of marriage, the first year at a new job, the first year homeschool is no exception to that. And so knowing that this is going to be your hardest year, that this is, you're in the middle of your hardest year, does that give you pretty good encouragement for the future? Because if it's only going to get better from here and it's going this well now, then that's got to feel good, right? It really does. It really does feel good. Um, me and my husband are are extremely lucky. We are really able to communicate well with each other because we kind of work opposite shifts, so to speak, because when I'm up here working in my bedroom and he's down there with the kids, we don't often get a lot of interaction. So the fact that he's been able to really communicate his capabilities with them and how you know, we initially had our expectation and realized that this wasn't going to work. And so now we've adjusted several times to get to where we are now. And this has worked beautifully for us. And I think you're correct. I think this can definitely be something that works for us long-term. We certainly hope that it's going to be a long-term endeavor for us. And as I said, you know, the only one who's ever expressed a desire to go back is our oldest. But since I started this homeschool group, He's connected with several other 13-year-olds, and it's been really, really good for him to have that outside connection and, you know, for the others and for me. And he can communicate with those kids on his own terms too, right? Like, is he able to communicate with them, I don't know, over email or something electron digitally. So he doesn't necessarily have to be in, you know, physical presence with them to still be maintaining those relationships, right? Or is that something that you're limiting him on? We don't typically limit them with their electronic usage. We honestly don't limit any of them with their electronic usage. Of course, they, you know, they do get it taken away, you know, when they're poorly behaved. And of course, during school time, they're not allowed. But for the most part, they can kind of have their devices with them. Um, Same as we would for an adult. You know, we have our cell phones with us wherever we go. We're sitting in, you know, the lobby of a doctor's office waiting. You know, we can read or play a game. We want them to kind of have that same experience because this is technology they're growing up with. So yes, we do allow them to communicate with other children their age that we've met. It's um, not a bad word. It's not a bad thing to have, especially when you have good relationships with your children and you're able to communicate well with your children and you don't have those behavior. I mean, like some kids can't handle that, but knowing your children's limitations and having those really good relationships with them and open relationships with them, then you a lot of parents don't 
give their kids limits. They just don't talk about it. <laughs> you know, where, you know, we, it, it feels like in these adult circles, we have to, oh yes, I limit my kids on all these things. And that's just not conducive to a lot of parent-child relationship, especially those of us that are homeschooling. And, you know, when you have those open relationships with your kids and, and you have conversations with them about the risks of what they can find and, you know, all of that stuff, all that ugly stuff, you know, you cross that bridge when you get to it sort of thing. And one thing at a time, I do have one kid that I've had to take electronics away from, and we do have to limit him, but that's because it's a behavior issue for him. And he will end up ignoring everything else because he doesn't understand how to limit himself. You know, like he will stop listening to his body. He will stop Mm. listening to, you know, when he has chores to do things like that. So he needs to have those boundaries and he recognizes it. So when we're we're beginning to have an issue, I'll sit him down and we'll say, okay, we're having this issue. What can we do to resolve this issue and ask him what his opinion is on that? And he'll say, just recently, he said, maybe I need a timer. Maybe I need a timer for when I get on my video game or when I get, you know, when I'm playing Fortnite with my friends. And so we start a timer and then we stick, you know, okay, well, if we're going to do a timer, we need to make sure that we stick to the timer, that you're obeying, that you're listening to when the timer goes off and you're actually getting off when it's, when the timer goes off instead of just ignoring it. So if your kids can handle it by all means, and if you're able to have those open relationships with your kids where everybody continues to be happy, healthy, and safe, you know, I've got nothing to complain about with it. That's great. You know, with all this conversation, I have a question written down, but I think you've already answered it where you see yourself in the future with regard to homeschooling. I see it as long-term for you. And I see your oldest really getting into the, to the jive of it, especially once he starts high school. And then you're with your medically fragile child. I will be praying for him that that he's able to grow out of that and become a stronger, stronger child medically, and that he can, you know, really begin to build some friendships and do all of those things that we want our kids to be able to do in person, you know, and, but continuing homeschooling because it does work. And I'm so super proud of you as my friend, I'm proud of you for being able to make those adjustments because so many times people, they start homeschooling and they say, this is what we're doing this year. And they set their goals and and they have it set in stone for the entire school year. And if it's not working, they will just grab a belt and bite down on it and drive through for the rest of the, of the year and to get through it. And you don't do that. Like, I really see you as being more fluid and, you know, making adjustments as needed and not waiting for the end of the year to make those adjustments. If you see something going on that needs to be changed, you change it when it needs to be changed instead of pushing through. And sometimes things need to be pushed through. I'm not saying that not to do that, but sometimes they don't. And it's good to acknowledge both of those times and then do something about it when needed. So how do you get encouraged to keep going? With your husband doing a lot of the schooling, how do you, because there's so few men actually involved in the homeschooling, right? Because you see all this stuff about homeschooling moms. How does your husband mm-hmm. stay encouraged? How does he not absolutely lose his mind? Well, sometimes he does lose his mind. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well. Um, but as I said before, we communicate very well. And part of that communication from him is saying, hey, I've had enough 
I need X, Y, Z from you in order to support me. And because he's able to communicate his needs with me, I can support him from my position. Um, sometimes I have had a child up in my workspace doing their school, or if that child just needs a break in a quiet area, or if he needs a break for two or three minutes in a quiet area, they know that this is a safe space where they can come. And in addition to that, part of the reason why I started the homeschooling group was to give him some time to himself. We have both been home for, oh my goodness, since probably February of 2020 was really kind of our last forays into the wider world just because of our child. And so we don't get a break at this point um, in, in our lives. So me being able to take the kids out of here, at least, you know, just for the afternoon, that really gives him a chance to recharge. It gives the children a social outlet and a chance to play. And it gives me a chance to connect with other moms and other people in the homeschooling community. And that's been very encouraging for me. And I can take that encouragement home with me and then pass it along to my husband. He has been with me to one of the meetings and he does plan on coming in the future. He knows how important it is to connect with other people who are in similar situations. We found several other families who have children with high medical needs and it's been the reason why they've homeschooled and to meet other people like that who truly understand that stress and that fear has been encouraging for us as well. Absolutely. Um, and, but finding other homeschooling dads, does he need that? Or is it enough for him to have those moments to recharge and to get encouragement from you? Like, is that like, so, and I'm sure that he's fine, but I just, I'm just curious because us as moms need other moms for that encouragement. And it might not be true for dads. So far he's been okay, you know, without having that other homeschool dad connection, um, that may change in the future. And if it does, you know, we'll see where we can find that for him. But as of right now, he hasn't needed it. So okay. we're just well, going to continue doing what we're doing because it's thank working. Goodness. Yes, that's wonderful. I just, I love hearing it and I want to hear more about how it works. And, you know, because the situation that you have is unique and it's it's not just unique in one way, but it's unique in multiple ways. And so hearing um, the positivity that can come from that, considering the uniqueness of it and how difficult that uniqueness can be, that in and of itself is encouraging to others, even if their situations are different from yours. Uh, you know, we do know people in our homeschooling community that have medically fragile children, different fragilities than yours, of course. I don't know how they find encouragement, you know, and, and we each, all of us have to find it in our own unique ways. Hearing your story and hearing how you get encouraged and how you can encourage others and what encourages you in and of itself is, like I said, is encouraging to others. I have two questions left. One of them is, do you have any unpopular opinions on homeschooling? Ooh, I'm sure I do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Erin and I talk about unpopular opinions every once in a while. We throw some out there. And so I thought with your situation and knowing you the way that I do, I figured you'd probably have some pretty good doozies. Yes. So definitely with the screen time and the unlimited use of that. Um, I mean, we do have slight limits on it, you know, like you can't play it before eight o'clock in the morning and the, you know, they turn off at a certain time, Yeah. but that's definitely not the norm. 
we also kind of let our children dictate a lot of their day. It's not necessarily unschooling because we do require them to do things, but we are not structured really in any way. We get up when we want to get up. We do what we can at, in the moment. We go to sleep kind of at a normal time. Well, you know, everybody's in bed usually by 10 o'clock. See, other That's late. That's opinions. late for me. My kids are in bed by <laughs> nine because mama needs some time. <laughs> no, no, we're, we're definitely up uh, later than that. Let's see another unpopular one. Um, I do not make my children do spelling. They hate <gasps> spelling. Gasp. I know it's terrible. It's awful. Oh my gosh. Let's clutch the pearls. We don't do spelling. Yeah. I have discovered knew from a young age that several of my children are phonetic spellers. And they will always be phonetic spellers, no matter what um, I do, because they they cannot hear the differences in the letters to understand enough when it's an F or a PH or one of those other strange letter combinations that just doesn't sound the same. So instead, what we focus with them on is reading and writing. Mm-hmm. We do not care what you read. Read something. Read a comic book. Read a newspaper article. Read a second grade book, even though you're in middle school, I do not care, pick up something and read it and then write me a paragraph. That is all. Yeah. Because the more they read and the more they write, the more those things will kind of come naturally just through seeing the repetition of the words and how the letters combine. So we don't do spelling. So you're not going to make your kids diagram sentences then. How dare you? How dare you? Oh, good Lord. (laughs) No. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, that's funny. No, definitely no sentence diagramming is going to happen in this house. Absolutely not. Nope. I remember doing that when I was homeschooled and it was the worst thing I have ever done in my life. And my teacher didn't fully understand it. So I didn't fully understand it. And then when I went back to a public school setting, it was not something that was ever discussed or used. And I was just like, what the heck was the point of this? Right, right. Well, I don't ever remember diagramming sentences, but I've seen other homeschooling moms have their kids diagram sentences and I don't do it. I don't do it. I mean, we do spelling and we do writing, but, and we do when things come up, if you are trying to teach a child that is not ready to learn or not curious about whatever it is that you're trying to teach them, then it's probably not going to be retained, at least not very well. And that's been my experience with my kids. I'm not talking about anybody else's kids. So when things come up, like why does this word need to go here in a sentence or why is this uh, formatted this way or something like that, then we'll talk about those things. Just recently, my youngest said, why don't I, in the middle of a store, a busy store, by the way, you know, those coupons, I don't know anything about coupons, mom. And okay, make sure you say it louder. Would you like a bullhorn? You know, sorry, we're just homeschoolers. And um, he, <laughs> he, so we went home and I wrote it down as that was going to be our math another day. And I reminded him, remember in the middle of the store, when you asked me about coupons, let's talk about that. And so then he, we learned about coupons. So when, when they're curious about those things, then it, it creates cool environment and, you know, a good opportunity to, to teach and to learn about those things. 
I'm not sure that diagramming sentences is ever going to come up in conversation, but if it does, you know, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it, but I seriously doubt it. <laughs> Do you have any questions for me? I've asked you all these questions. Do you have any questions for me you want to talk about? No, I actually don't. I've Ooh. known you for quite some time. I know. And you have been an amazing resource and encouragement for me. And I very, very much appreciate that. I know I've reached out to you several times to be like, oh my gosh, help. Amanda, yeah. I don't know what's happening. What do I do? And you've been very encouraging. And it's been amazing to have you as a resource and just somebody that I can go, oh my gosh, this person understands. You know, well, they, you. they understand some days, you know, are different. They all the days look different. And you understand that some days you just go back to bed and wake right. up again in an hour and make a cup of tea and do something different. Yeah. Um, it encourages me to be able to help others. And, and I'm not always right. I'm, I'm sure I'm wrong most of the time, but you know, being able to give suggestions of things to try and kind of throw my opinion out there, that's encouraging. And it, it helps me to know that what I say means something, you know, that other people care enough about me or respect my opinion enough to ask me about it. And then it encourages me to be able to provide some kind of insight and some resources to others. So it's, it goes both ways and I appreciate you and I love you. And I'm super glad that you were able to come today. I think we've done really good. We've oh rocked goodness. it, girl. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's been good. So we can go ahead and close out. I know you've got lunch you need to go get. So this has been another episode of Goat Homeschooling with Erin and Amanda. Come find us on Facebook, Goat Home Homeschooling with a podcast with Erin and Amanda. Same thing on Instagram. Email us, send us. If you want to be on, on an episode, let us know. Email us at goathomeschoolingpodcast at gmail.com. And we will see you next time. Thanks for listening today. We hope you'll subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you'd like to suggest topics for us to discuss, or if you have any questions, find us at Goat Homeschooling on Facebook, on Instagram at Goat Homeschool, and email us at Goat Homeschooling Podcast at gmail.com. Have a great day. Thanks for listening.